Welcome to Revolutionary War Rarities, the podcast of the Sons of the American Revolution. Like, follow, and subscribe to our podcast in your favorite application. You can also follow our podcast at fastfunhistory.com. For education resources provided by the National Society, Sons of the American Revolution, go to education.sar.org. And now, Revolutionary War Rarities. An American Triumph. Season two. Hi, everyone, and welcome to season two of Revolutionary War Rarities. My name is Jim Griffin. And my name is Jim Maples. Well, Jim Maples, today is a very, very special episode with a very, very special guest. His name is Tom Hand, and he is the creator, the founder of Americana Corner. Uh, and that can be found at www.americanacorner.com. He is an accomplished author. He's a graduate of West Point. He is on the board of directors for the American Battlefield Trust. His most recent publication is entitled, as you might imagine, An American Triumph. And Tom has graciously contributed numerous books or numerous copies of his book for giveaway to Revolutionary War Rarities listeners. And we're thankful for that. We, uh, we intend to give one of those books away uh, today. So make sure and stay tuned on how you can be one of those winners of the book. So, Tom, thank you for your donation of, uh, of the books to Revolutionary War Rarities, and we thank you for joining us today. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, fellas. Thank you for having me on. It's, uh, it's an honor to be on Revolutionary War Rarities, and I'm looking forward to our conversation. So, Tom, if you wouldn't mind, we'd love to hear about your inspiration for the book. What drove you to write An American Triumph, and what were you hoping to accomplish? Yeah, uh, I wanted to remind my uh, fellow Americans of their nation's incredible past and of the uh, truly inspirational nature of our founding era. I'm concerned, uh, Jim, that we're starting to lose sight of that. And, uh, and so that was the, uh, the motivation behind the book. And I guess what I'm hoping to accomplish, uh, one guy, one little book, is to um, rekindle the spirit of patriotism in Americans. I, I think we uh, have lost that desire to flag wave. Uh, I, I'm a big flag waver. I think more people should do that. I'm just hoping that I can rekindle that spark just a bit. It's a good point, Tom. It really is. Um, now, I've had the tremendous pleasure of uh, of reading your book. I like, I really like the way that it's laid out. It's broken okay. down into a, a lot of chapters, but very short chapters, uh, very specific and to the point. And and uh, for those of us who have uh, a bit of ADD in their lives, uh, <laughs> it, it, it certainly works well for me. But I've got three questions. Uh, I've got three questions for you. Uh, first of all, I know you jumped into a good bit of detail around uh, three individuals, which was uh, Benjamin Franklin, George Washington, and John Adams. So my three questions were, or are, uh, first of all, what drove you to those three? Second of all, if there were another three, who would those three be? And third, the third question is, do you foresee a sequel to this book? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take those questions in order. Uh, I, uh, service to country is why I selected those three. Um, 
to me, those three men epitomize service to country. Uh, others contributed, certainly. Uh, but these three really devoted most of their life to that. And, and so I, I selected them to be the three main uh, protagonists in the uh, in, in the book. And, um, and, and in my mind, Jim, there's a huge drop off once you get past those three. Yeah. And so is there a, a second tier of three? I suppose an argument can be made uh, for those that like Thomas Jefferson or Alexander Hamilton and, and other people like that. Nathaniel Green. Um, but to me, it's a, a steep drop off. Uh, and I won't go into too many details about why I feel that way, but I felt like the three that I selected um, were the greatest uh, founders for devoting their life to the country that they uh, that they loved. Um, and is there a sequel? Uh, yes. Uh, in fact, I finished it last weekend. And we hope to come out with it uh, next fall. We're going to try to do one book per year, good Lord willing, and uh, take us all the way through chronologically to Reconstruction. And uh, I've had a lot of people, Jim, that have asked me, do you just uh, fund Revolutionary War sites? Do you just write about that? And, and the answer right now is that's all I write about because I'm trying to do it in a chronological manner. But next year's book will take us a little bit deeper into our, our nation's past. So, Okay. Very good. Thank you for that. Tom, Tom, do you believe there was a single event that had it not occurred or had been handled differently could have permanently prevented the American Revolution? Well, that's a great question, isn't it, Jim? Uh, to me, the one event that drove us to, to our independence was the French and Indian War. Um, I think that the consequences, unintended consequences of that war, uh, primarily from a financial standpoint, drove some, some legislation that uh, wouldn't have been driven necessarily had it not been for the, uh, the financial straits of England after the war. And um, you know, quite frankly, the, uh, the American colonists were one of the least taxed people uh, in, in, the, in the world and uh, much less than the people living in England. Right. And if, you know, looking back uh, without uh, bias, you have to say that you know, what parliament had proposed was reasonable. However, uh, for 150 years or so, uh, England had practiced salutary neglect. Some people call it benign neglect. Uh, they let us run our, our own uh, country, our own colonies. And frankly, we were good at it and we liked it. Uh, and so all of a sudden, it's like a student moving back in home and all of a sudden having parental controls thrust on you. You don't like it. And we didn't like it. And so the French and Indian War to me, if, it, if that didn't happen, I think we, we uh, continue along with the same sort of system we had up until 1763. You know, I had one other thing, if I may, it's... Um, the revolution, I don't think, turns out the same way if Washington doesn't cross the Delaware Christmas night. And I know we talk about the 10 crucial days. To me, there was one crucial day, and that was crossing that Del Delaware. There, there were three organizations, uh, armies that were supposed to cross. Only Washington made it and then successfully captured the Hessian garrison at Trenton. That doesn't happen. Princeton doesn't happen. And everything else doesn't happen. And so 
and, and the soldiers were melting away uh, faster than they, they were coming in. And so Washington doesn't make that happen successfully. I don't think the rest of, rest of the revolution happens. What do you guys think about that? I agree. I agree with you. Uh, I agree with the uh, the benign neglect. Uh, that's something that's always been interesting to me. And I'll tell you that when you think about, we recently did an episode, Tom, called Cause and Effect. And history is the earliest warning system that we have out there. That's one of the one of the points that we made out there. And to look at at the dramatic difference that some of these uh, efforts made right uh like you said the 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 soldiers in the american revolution were melting away mm -hmm. and and by i guess it was i believe it was january the first he was basically going to have no army he had very little when he attacked when he attacked uh trenton and uh it certainly turned it on its on its uh on its nose and and started aiming things in the in the a better direction you can even look at the odds of winning there's i read an article one time on the on the internet that was uh, that that, tra that tracked the odds of winning the the American Revolution through the American Revolution, and at that right. time, at that time, I mean, there was a you know ninety five percent chance that the the revolution was lost. Uh, but but if Las Vegas had existed back then, I don't think there's any question. <laughs> I don't think there's any question that uh, had you bet on the Americans prior to Trenton, uh, the payback would have been pretty significant uh, <laughs> from a Vegas perspective. So. Well, yeah, I agree. You know, Saratoga happened, and of course, France came in officially, but they were already sending us arms and money uh, behind the scenes, uh, and and yeah. that was going to continue as long as we were fighting their enemy. They're going to be our friend. That's and, right. Uh, yeah, so that's exactly right. You've partially answered this, but of the three men that you focus on in an American triumph, could our country exist today without any of them, and which one? do you find to be the most interesting? Listen, those are two separate questions and I'm gonna, two different guys. Uh, to me, Jim, the country as we know it today doesn't exist without George Washington. Uh, people have labeled him the indispensable man. What a great term for what he was uh, and what he meant to this country. I think without George Washington uh, at the command, uh, of the army for eight years, maybe we don't persevere through, maybe we don't cross the Delaware. Um, and maybe at the end, if we do win the war, that guy in Alexander Hamilton type uh, or Horatio Gates type uh, doesn't surrender power to the Annapolis Congress uh, on the December 23rd, 1783. Uh, maybe the next guy doesn't, he gets elected president, but he doesn't surrender the presidency to to John Adams. I mean, it's, he was remarkable. He, you know, Jim, he was that remarkable blend of courage, the courage it takes to lead men into battle with bullets flying around you and not ducking. No, I couldn't do that, I don't think. And, and the humility to voluntarily surrender power, that is a combination that's rare. Uh, and, and what a great man at the right point in time, almost like providentially directed in my opinion but um and so but he's not as interesting to me personally as john adams i just love john adams john adams what a great guy cantankerous irritable uh but brilliant and devoted this country like nobody else except for washington of course and uh, and so john adams to me i just love and and his letters 
that he wrote. He loved watching his own writing, I think. And uh, great stories with he and Abigail and his exchange with Jefferson at the end. Uh, you know the inner man. Uh, you don't know that with Washington. Uh, most of his letters were burned by Martha. Um, and, and he wasn't that kind of guy that you get to know anyway. So I, I think Adams is incredibly interesting throughout his whole life. Do you guys have a favorite uh, guy? <laughs> well, I agree with you on uh, George Washington. We would we would not exist today without him, and 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 also on John Adams. I totally fascinating. But I really like Ben Franklin also. He, yeah, yeah, his, <laughs> his life was just uh, it's just incredible. We've done an episode on him, and I'd love to do another episode. You but, know, yeah. Go ahead, Jim. No, you go ahead. I, I was just gonna say I, I, the thing that uh, Benjamin Franklin was everything that some everything that people want to be, and he was everything that people don't want to be. And <laughs> right, I mean, he was he was basically he was he was friends with the British. He was a loyalist initially, right? And then he was at war with the British and he was uh, initially at war with the French. And then he was the France's best friend and probably the greatest diplomat that we've ever had. Uh, I, he just, he is, he is, uh, what do they say? Uh, what is it? A mystery wrapped in a, what, you know what, I'm, what is enigma? An yeah. enigma? Yes. An enigma That's too complicated for me. I can't figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, Tom, talk to us about the national boundaries that were initially proposed by the French at the peace negotiations in Paris. Yeah, Jim, you know, it's amazing. Uh, Vergennes, the, the French minister, uh, talking about the, the, the friendship of France, um, they were our friends, sort of. Uh, they, uh, they, were, they were struggling to get the uh, treaty uh, agreed to and... Uh, um, Ben Franklin was the primary guy. Virgin wouldn't talk to Adams. He was too much of a bulldog. Adams was. And so, uh, and, and Franklin was a diplomat. And, and so they talked back and forth nicely. And, and what Virgin's proposed was to uh, end the 13 colonies, basically on the crest of the Appalachians, and to surrender uh, what ended up being the Northwest Territory, giving that back to the province of Quebec, uh, George Rogers Clark had captured most of that, mostly small battles, small fights, but still we had it. And uh, Virgins was uh, generous to give it back to England. Didn't really care about us so much. He wanted to create an Indian territory west of the Appalachians, nominally administered by the Spanish. Um, and, and so basically, and then Spanish Florida, British Florida, going back to Spanish Florida. And so we were going to be surrounded uh, and truncated off. We, we couldn't grow. And John Adams said, I don't think so. And uh, he um, and John Jay, John Adams raced back from the Netherlands. We just secured a treaty. John Jay said, we got to do something about this. And they go to David Hartley, the, the uh, negotiator for the Brits. And they say, here's, here's the deal. We're going to talk directly with you. And uh, what we got was what we got. And in incredibly generous. And that happened because of John Adams, but the French were going to sell us out. I'm not supposed to say that, but that's what they were going to do. It isn't isn't it true that the uh, that the British were actually much more open to the territories in the in the uh, the peace treaty or the 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 Treaty of Paris than the French were? Isn't it, is that a true statement? 
That's very true. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, they, it was the French who were just willing to, to, to basically fence us in. Yeah. And this great country wouldn't be what it is today if we had taken those. Jim, you were going to say something. Did you have a comment on that? No. no I'm oh, oh, okay. All right. Thanks. Well, I, it, I think it always, it, it seems like it always goes back to the same thing back then and today, which is money. Or in this case, I think they wanted the territories for the raw materials and the uh, mercantilist system that was in place between uh, between each of the countries. That's right. Exactly right. Yeah. It was all about money, like it always is. And and uh, as George Washington mentioned in the uh, farewell address, all nations act in their own best interest. Yep. And, yep. and if you count on, if you become a, I think he used the term slave, if you become a slave to another country uh, or an enemy, a, a, a permanent enemy to a country, you do yourself a disservice because you have to take care of yourself. And uh, anyway, so. Yeah. All right. So, Tom, you know, we we love the rarely known, the rarely taught, the little known facts around uh, the American Revolution. That's okay. what we do here at Revolutionary War Rarity. So I'm curious if there was anything that you discovered in your research for this book that you had never heard of before. I can't say that I never heard of before, but I, I, I did have one compelling surprise to me, and that was the relative insignificance of Thomas Jefferson to our founding era uh, and the relative significance of John Adams. Now, full disclosure, I'm a huge John Adams fan. But if you think about um, Jefferson's role, I'm say 1775, Second Continental Congress through 1783, even, even through 1787 Constitutional Convention, it's hardly anything. Uh, he wrote a great Declaration of Independence. I give him credit for that. Beautiful writer. Uh, he hardly participated in the debate over independence. Hardly said a word. Very quiet man. Um, and and then he he goes overseas. He's a, a minister to France, but never gets any treaties signed. Uh, did a lot of shopping. Um, uh, enjoyed that over there, I guess. Uh, he didn't participate in the Constitutional Convention because he was overseas in France. Um, never served in uh, in the army, even though he was uh, the ripe age for that. He was a healthy man, great writer. Uh, never donned his nation's uniform, and his choice certainly, but he never did at a time when all the other men around him were doing it. Marshall, Monroe, Hamilton, they all did, except for Jefferson. And the older guys didn't, of course. Adams didn't. Um, and so he didn't do much except write a beautiful Declaration of Independence. And I didn't realize that until I went through this, looking for things to applaud Jefferson for. And then I found this guy named John Adams, who almost single-handedly got the Declaration of Independence unanimously approved. And as Benjamin Rush famously said, John Adams was the man in the House. He, he served on 90 committees, 90. And he, and he was a chairman of 25 committees, 20, and he almost worked himself to death. Then he goes overseas, and he's a diplomat for 10 years. Uh, he gets a treaty with um, the Dutch pass. He gets a huge loan, 5 million bucks from the, from the Dutch. Uh, he's responsible for the Treaty of Paris terms, as we talked about earlier. Uh, and that's his 10 years as a diplomat. Um, and, and so in so many ways, John Adams was just more significant to our founding than Thomas Jefferson, yet for some reason, we have a memorial on the tidal basin 
in DC to Jefferson and, and Adams is largely forgotten. And I, I don't understand that. Well, Tom, listen, we thank you so much uh, for being on Revolutionary War Rarities. I want to thank you again for those extra copies of, uh, of your book. We would love to have you back again sometime if you're willing. And uh, I want you to make sure and, uh, and let people know how they, can, uh, how they can reach you or get to the information that you provide on uh, Americana Corner. Yeah, thank you, Jim. It's been a real pleasure to be on Revolutionary War Rarities. Uh, thank you for having me on. And I will plug the book one last time. It's available on Amazon. It's available on our signed copies on my website, AmericanaCorner.com. I'd love to come back and talk with you guys. It's been a ton of fun talking about the revolutionary era. And, uh, and I also want to say thank you for the good work that you guys do. Uh, you guys keep alive the memory of our country. And uh, you can do so much more than I do. And, uh, and you guys have chapters all over the country. And I just admire what you've done for, for so long, for over a century now. It's about 130 years or so. I think you guys have been around. And anyway, so yeah, thank you for having me. And that, my friends, is a Revolutionary War rarity. My name is Jim Griffith. And my name is Joe Maples. And we thank you for joining us today. And please be sure to join us for the next episode of Revolutionary War Rarities. This has been a production of the National Society, Sons of the American Revolution, www.sar.org. To be entered into a random drawing for a free copy of the book, An American Triumph, please complete the following. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Revolutionary War Rarities. Join our Facebook group of the same name. Follow our Instagram page of the same name and share this episode on social media. Once you've done those, send your name to revolutionarywarrarities at gmail.com. Good luck.